Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 180 of my podcast for July 16th, 2013. My guest today is Dan Florizone. He served from 2008 until just last month as the Deputy Minister of Health in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan. And Dan has recently transitioned into a new role as the Deputy Minister of Education, and he's also going to focus on the application of lean principles across other departments of government. Before joining the government, Dan previously had over 25 years of healthcare management experience, including a five-year stint as the CEO of the Five Hills Health Region. And Dan and I first met a few years back. We were both at a lean healthcare conference that was hosted by Cindy Jemerson. I really enjoyed talking with Dan have been able to follow uh, the work they're doing in Saskatchewan because they've shared quite a bit online and through Twitter and, and through videos. So to uh, find links to that and uh, view and read more about what they're doing with Lean Healthcare in Saskatchewan, you can go to leanblog.org slash 180. Well, Dan, it's uh, a real honor to have you as a guest here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, it certainly is a pleasure and privilege to uh, uh, join you and to hear your voice once again. It's uh, it's been a while, and uh, I know that you're past due to make another visit to Saskatchewan. Uh, some of the important work that you were involved in when we were first uh, launching our Lean Initiative. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I, w- I would love to come back. I, I was there in a cold, uh, snowy February um, a few years back, just just for a week. Um, but it, it would be um, great to come back and. Um, Hopefully, uh, cross paths with you again at other conferences like we uh, like we have before. Um, can I, I know about your background? The listeners might not. So, can can you introduce yourself and your role and uh, what you're going to be uh, moving into here, Dan? Excellent. Uh, well, currently, I'm the Deputy Minister of Health for the province of Saskatchewan. Uh, that would be the equivalent of the Secretary of Health uh, within the uh, U.S. states. Um, the Probably the major difference uh, is that we have uh, uh, responsibility as a province for healthcare delivery, the vast majority of uh, healthcare delivery. So we are uh, also the insurer uh, of uh, the majority of healthcare services. As such, uh, the deliverers of healthcare, uh, regional health authorities, and our provincial cancer agency, all fall under the umbrella of provincial legislation. So the uh, planning, uh, the strategies, uh, the um, uh, resource allocation decisions and direction uh, that those uh, authorities take are all under the purview, under the umbrella of uh, the Saskatchewan healthcare system. And um, you're, you're going to be moving into uh, a new role here shortly, if you can tell the listeners about that. Yeah. Yeah, these, these positions uh, are uh, obviously uh, we have the ability uh, and uh, the privilege of serving at the pleasure of uh, cabinet, uh, the political, and uh, they've asked me to take some of the learnings uh, in the five years that I've spent as Deputy Minister of Health and uh, apply them to a new role as Deputy Minister of Education. Uh, so I'm taking uh, Hoshin Cannery, I'm taking Lean, I'm taking what was the Patient First Initiative, and now uh, hope to uh, implement a Student First Initiative within the Ministry of Education. That starts uh, July 1st. 
Uh, so you've literally caught me in the last days of uh, uh, my career within healthcare that it's spanned uh, somewhere between 25 and 30 years, depending on how I count it. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to have a role, um, a broader role with Lean within the province, correct? I've been uh, highly involved over the last few years, not only in lean deployment across the health sector, but lean deployment right across the government of Saskatchewan. So every ministry, every department. Uh, What that has meant uh, is we've uh, initiated, uh, the health system has made uh, greater progress because we started earlier, uh, but I've now been named the deputy responsible for lean deployment across government. Uh, so I'll be working very closely with uh, deputy ministers across uh, the various uh, areas, whether it be social services, justice, corrections, uh, the economy, uh, to be able to bring uh, our lean approach and learnings uh, through to them and to support them in their uh, creation of a learning uh, organization. Well, that sounds like a really, really great opportunity. Maybe, maybe we can follow up after uh, you've you've had some time in that role and and talk about um, the, the the progress that that you'll be making um, in in the Department of Education and, and, and more broadly. So I think that um, would be really interesting to follow up with you on. Um, now, can can you tell tell the listeners you know about your background with Lean? How how you got exposed to uh, to Lean as a management system and methodology? If I remember right, it it, it predates your time with the Ministry of Health, is that correct? Yeah, it does. Uh, I've, uh, my career has uh, been largely spent out in the health sector as uh, chief executive of uh, regional health authorities. Uh, so I uh, came in uh, uh, from the health sector and uh, brought with me uh, early days, early application of lean uh, within the health sector. I brought it into government and then spread uh, right across uh, the health system. So my early days uh, were based out of uh, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, the Five Hills Health Region. And at that time, uh, it, it was uh, uh, during a period of uh, uh, ongoing uh, improvement work. We were using multiple methods and approaches. I've always been interested in the quality area. But it wasn't until a visit in 2005 I had the privilege of serving on a rapid process improvement workshop uh, right embedded into the emergency room at Virginia Mason. Uh, We were the first outside set of eyes invited in. And rather than attend a course, I was within 24 hours improving uh, and uh, offering and contributing ideas for improvement uh, within the Virginia Mason emergency room. Uh, That uh, was, uh, by the end of that week, I was uh, truly a convert uh, in uh, the lean approach. And, and, and stepping back just briefly, in, in your role as CEO of um, one of the regional health authorities, to set context for the states, I mean, that, that, that's a role that would be like, uh, the equivalent of being CEO of an integrated health system with hospitals and primary care, and is that correct? Uh, yeah, that, that's right. In fact, uh, we had uh, a responsibility integrated for hospitals, long-term care, home care, public health, mental health, addiction treatment, EMS, uh, so the full range of services. And uh, primary health care was uh, an, an integral component as well. Uh, so the full continuum of care, which gave us a great advantage in terms of lean deployment. Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, you, 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 beat, you beat me to the punch, I was going to ask if, if that um, integrated structure um, 
allows you to focus more on, you know, for example, if, you know, if we think of value, you know, putting patient first and thinking about value, uh, opportunities to help keep people healthy as opposed to just treating them more efficiently once they're ill? Yeah, so the governance structure certainly in theory accomplishes a range of, uh, um, of, of opportunities, touch points, but also upstream interventions to keep, uh, make and keep the population healthy. Unfortunately, structure alone is insufficient to accomplish what we were after. So what we ended up doing in the early days of regionalization is push the silo down uh, unfortunately, the elusive part of this was that it never made and translated to the changes that were necessary on the gemba, right on the floor, right at the community level, right on the units. So while we felt we were making the right investments, it wasn't until that major aha with lean that we could follow a patient through, uh, to and through services, to we, we could uh, follow them on their journey, literally, and see where the bottlenecks and opportunities of, of, for improvement existed. In addition, um, we launched off a patient-first review, which really grounded us in measuring value and waste from the patient's perspective. But it also allowed us to uh, you know, put forward a very uh, important statement, which is the best patient-first approach is not to be a patient in the first place. So what, uh, beyond the goal, um of, of improving that patient experience and, and keeping people healthy. Uh, what, what are some of the, the driving issues um, in Saskatchewan about why lean is important, what, what need there is for improvement? What, what are some of the main motivations either at the start or as, as that's evolved? I'm, I'm curious how that's evolved in the last uh, couple of years. Well, it, it truly has evolved and uh, uh, there's nothing uh, like humility and learn through learning. Uh, to see that we have so much yet to do. Uh, we really are and continue to be on the, in the early days. Um, probably the most fundamental uh, aha in looking at Seattle was I had spent more days on the ER floor than I had ever spent as CEO responsible for emergency rooms for the previous 20 years. Um, it, it, in effect, as, a, as chief executive, I often feel insulted when the frontline staff would say you should spend some time where we are, uh, and again, it very inappropriate at those in those days to be defensive and to suggest that briefing materials and statistics were sufficient to know uh, what's happening on the floor. So that was number one. Number two in Saskatchewan, the context was our costs were growing, uh, our quality was questionable. We kept on comparing ourselves to every other province or jurisdiction across Canada which is literally the equivalent of uh, uh, comparing ourselves to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We uh, hadn't set targets and time frames, and uh, we had a disenfranchised uh, uh, employee group. We had union conflict. We had strikes. Uh, again, on the safety side, uh, our research in Canada was very uh, consistent with uh, the Institute of Medicine uh, in the U.S., uh, in terms of uh, issues of safety and quality. Um, in fact, uh, uh, we uh, had recognized that uh, although Canadians are quite proud of their health care system, uh, there wasn't a very strong justification uh, for that given uh, our performance being relatively mediocre. So what this allowed us to do 
uh, when we looked uh, and I saw for the first time a lean in action, is it started to address some of the fundamental issues that we had been encountering. You see, we had gone through course corrections on budgets and we had done the traditional cost cutting, mm -hmm. but we kept on uh, encountering problems where what we were reducing ended up having to be added back because of its negative impact on patients. We hadn't adopted uh, that culture of being patient-centered. Mm. We hadn't even recognized that we were being provider-focused, but it was that major aha that is uh, we need to flip this system on its head and start to look at services uh, at waste and value from a patient's perspective, and that was a fundamental shift. The second condition was you can use all the tools and techniques you want if they're coming in top-down without creating that learning context, that learning environment, uh, we're missing the boat absolutely. So we were thinking that committees and uh, uh, boardrooms were the solution, but governance in and of itself uh, could uh, uh, provide the solutions. And, and the, the problem with that uh, whole uh, mindset was we thought it was either top-down or bottom-up. What we didn't realize it's not either or, it's both and. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're now in a far more mature place where we have partnerships that have been established with unions. We have uh, patients that are involved in all of our improvement work across the province. Mm -hmm. We have an engaged system. And no, it's not kumbaya, you know, <laughs> not everything is going great. It is some tough, tough work. Right. Uh, we're tired, but we're exhilarated uh, by the art of the possible. Yeah, and, and everything you talk about there sounds you know very familiar, not just, I think, for an American audience, but uh, countries in Europe I've, I've visited, you know, talking about the challenges around quality, safety, cost, um, staff engagement, or, or lack thereof. Um, it, it's, it's always interesting to see how things are um, you know, somewhat universal. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, are, are there some factors that are unique or different with the structure of the system in Saskatchewan, for, for example, and I would like to come back to safety and quality, of course, as, as critical issues, but looking at uh, the idea of cost and Well, it, and, and it's budgets, interesting. Does, I mean, it's uh, Canadians some were, of the, the dynamics you know, were well known for cost our cost reduction. Does that lead a lot to of that has been, being able to provide more uh, care almost or more timely care, or is it, is it leading uh, to In other words, uh, reductions you know, -centric in, thinking in spending? That, uh, What's some of the dynamics uh, in your system? Uh, and because services... Uh, are largely at no cost and in some cases very low cost, uh, that there's this insatiable appetite uh, for health care. So one of the, one of the key uh, barriers to improvement was our thinking. And uh, to, to put it frankly to you, um, I don't think anyone would choose to sit in our emergency departments for extended hours because they, want, they have nothing better to do on a Friday night. I don't think I would go for seconds on a colonoscopy because it's free. Um, these uh, services uh, obviously are being requested uh, because they're needed or there's a perception that they're needed. And uh, what we needed to do is break free of this uh, paternalistic view of the world um, and uh, also uh, this thought that uh, not only is there an insatiable appetite but that wait lists are inevitable. And we've uh, proven, I think, very um, um, uh, significantly that uh, 
Uh, you can improve quality and reduce cost all at the same time. That triple aim of uh, better health, better care, better value has been um, practiced right on the floor. We've got many, many examples of this occurring, uh, whereas in the past uh, we were set in uh, this uh, situation where the only thing you can do is cut staff. Uh, layoffs uh, had uh, really uh, dramatically uh, impacted our, our morale. Uh, we were uh, at a very low point uh, in the late 90s, um, the, the, the uh, turn of the century. Um, and what we've proven now is that there's more than sufficient attrition, uh, more uh, than sufficient changes going on within the health sector that we can be far more innovative and creative than just simply each uh, uh, start of a fiscal year uh, issuing layoff notices and demoralizing our staff. So fundamental change, I would say, in how we do things. And we've proven it time and time again that quality doesn't have to cost. And, yeah, you're, so that, that you know, we're, I think through lean breaking those trade-offs of, of, of quality and cost um, and then hopefully breaking down the other trade-offs that, that uh, waiting times can reduce, uh, be reduced, patient flow can be improved without increasing, without increasing cost. Are there... Any, any particular success stories you can talk to in, in terms of uh, improving access? And, and, and that clearly has an impact on, on quality and outcomes as well. But what, what are some of the examples of improvements that you've seen within the province? Well, we've, we've seen thousands of them. And, uh, of course, the danger in these improvements is they each, uh, they're important and they're significant. But uh, uh, we worried in the early days that we would be on a sugar high of going for the improvements and then having the bean counters and others uh, go in and kill the goose that laid the golden egg. So uh, what's interesting about the improvements, and I'll give you, I'll share with you a few of them. Um, one in particular had to do with the Ministry of Health and its interface with the health system. We have uh, across this country uh, the Canadian Blood Services, and they provide uh, blood in blood banks uh, for uh, regional health authorities, for the hospitals out there. Uh, we pay for that, and we fund it directly. And uh, this is a precious commodity, as it is uh, in the U.S. We hold it dearly, and there are staff that are dedicated, as well as committees, blood banking committees, that are carefully guarding the blood supply. Um, I can tell you we took a single lean pass. Uh, we looked at uh, where we were holding inventory, um, the times uh, that uh, and, and the expiry date of blood. Uh, apparently, blood has a shelf life of uh, thirty plus days. And what we were finding is this: that uh, we were holding inventory just in case, and we find that all over. But what what I was most interested in is that this is one of our, of our most carefully guarded inventories. Uh, waste is seen as a real um, uh, failure. Uh, by the staff that are guarding this inventory. So as a province with a million people, uh, that first pass saved $10 million uh, in, in excess and expired blood. Mm. But more fundamental than that is rather than getting blood that's near its expiry date into your arm, mm. we're getting blood into the arms of patients that's literally days um, in, uh, from uh, being um, donated from volunteers. Mm -hmm. So fresher product, um, le less inventory being carried, 
And uh, as of today, those savings are upwards of $14 million, and that's each and every year. Um, so the savings continue to accrue, um, and that is probably one of the greatest examples of cost, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, in terms of inventory, uh, in terms of waste and wasted product. And I've got to say this, that uh, as a result of that, we're also sending our excess inventory to other provinces like Ontario. Yeah. So what used to go to waste is now going into the arms of uh, other Canadians. Well, it seems like a classic example of, of how better flow leads to, to, to better quality, better cost. Um, it seems like a great example. Are, are there any other, um, you talk about you know, the, the, the IOM report and you know, uh, listeners might be familiar with that, looking at uh, instances of, of preventable patient harm and, and, and what a major problem that is around the world. Um, have, have you seen um, improvements yet in any of those core measures of, in, in re- reducing certain types of patient harm through, uh, through this different approach to leadership and engaging people? So I'll give you an example, uh, a few examples, but one is a, more of a process measure that I, we felt were, was uh, really, really important. And then I'll give you a sense of what is happening on the floors of uh, each of the units. We launched off uh, as part of our transformative agenda uh, and based on our patient first review, a surgical initiative. And it was very easy to uh, suggest that what we needed to do was get into operating rooms, operating theaters, um, and into hospitals to be able to uh, improve flow, reduce wait lists, uh, improve, uh, uh, or reduce waste, absolutely, and improve value. Um, the thing is, because of our thinking, and the, the you know a greater maturity in our thinking. What we did was we looked at the whole of the patient experience, and we developed a, a surgical initiative that literally went from primary health care to specialist services to pre-admission clinic to inpatient stay, uh, through to rehabilitation, home with home care, all the way to recovery. And in fact, what we did in addition to that is we went upstream and uh, looked at preventative measures that could be implemented to avoid being a patient in the first place. So we looked at the whole of the journey, including the upstream preventative side. We applied a lean lens to it, and uh, our initiative was uh, entitled Sooner, Safer, Smarter, uh, and have been chipping away. We're in year four of that initiative. Now, in many of the categories of weights, we didn't just pick a few long waiters, and we didn't just pick, um, you know, and focus in on acute care. What this holistic approach allowed for is for us to make investments where the bottlenecks existed, and to make improvements where the quality issues uh, appeared uh, to uh, be most pronounced. Um, We're also embedding pathways, shared decision-making, and truly making this experience patient first. So we've seen uh, in our long waits uh, anywhere from 60 to 80 percent reductions right across the province in every category of weight. Uh, some of the most fundamental improvement in those weights and delays. One of the, and, and there have been many, but one of the safer categories was the use of surgical checklists in the operating theaters. So what we did was we undertook uh, a target of 100% of surgeries uh, should uh, use the surgical checklist, and we actually have uh, 
in every operating feeder a method by which to measure and to coach and to uh, uh, move that through. Now, you can imagine trying to move a change like that. Historically, we probably would have just used a lever like, let's legislate it, let's make it the law. But much like seat belts, or in our province, it's illegal to use a hand uh, to hold uh, your cell phone and talk uh, while driving uh, without a hands-free advice, uh, device. rather. Um, you'll never get 100%. Right. by just simply coming down and making it the rule. Now, I'm pretty proud to say that the system in Saskatchewan, through that uh, concerted effort system-wide, has achieved 97%. And I have to say that everyone in leadership roles is committing to getting that to 100%. We continue to strive for the ultimate. To be able to get to 97% if we had just simply made it the law probably would have gotten... Uh, you know, a fairly high level of compliance, but it wouldn't have been able to achieve the commitment that we're seeking. Yeah. So that's one example. Now, on the units within acute care and long-term care, acute care, let's focus there, they're looking at infections, they're looking at falls, um, they're looking at staff uh, uh, injuries, uh, and what is going on right now is that we're just uh, launching a province-wide uh, deployment of uh, stop the line, a patient safety alert system. Uh, so these are still early, early days. Uh, we continue to learn lots about the safety file. I would love to be able to tell you that we've seen a 50 or 80 percent improvement in safety, um, but the defect uh, rate remains um, as long as it's above zero. It's mm -hmm. uh, um, you know it, 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 it's unacceptable. Uh, we have some 880 leaders within the Saskatchewan Health System that as part of their lean certification, uh, we're using John Black, uh, Virginia Mason's consultant. We're going down through to AutoLeaf uh, as part of uh, the certification. We're watching airbags being made. Yeah. And the, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the approaches that are being taken, when these guys have achieved one in four million, as a defect rate, and they're still totally dedicated to removing that one, that's where we want to be. Our error rates uh, across the U.S. and Canada remain uh, uh, un just unbelievably high, as you're aware, probably somewhere close to 1 in 13 uh, in terms of uh, medication errors and infections and uh, the harm that we're doing. But, and I think you, you touched on a great point. And what you're saying there is the difference between just having a target, but then also changing the way things are managed. It seems like was is the key. If I hear it right, so so when when our groups go to auto leave as part of our North American tour, um, they actually have to have brought in through their value stream work and through their mistake proofing work uh, something to actually mistake proof. So each of them is going through learning these systems through AutoLeap and through Virginia Mason and Seattle Children's, and they're basically applying it within the system. So I have 400 examples in these early days of mistakes, of uh, defects that have been avoided because human error, which, which uh, obviously is uh, uh, unavoidable, uh, unavoidable uh, what we've managed to do is figure out a way to prevent it from being passed on to the patient. Right. So 400 excellent examples of where individuals, leaders, 
have brought back and applied their learnings uh, to the Saskatchewan Health System. Spread and sustainability will be the major um, uh, challenge for the years ahead, uh, but I can tell you that uh, these early months uh, and early years have really produced some uh, incredible improvements. I've, I've, I've learned more about the healthcare system in the last uh, few years than I ever knew in the previous 20 or 25. And think of how much there's to learn about the education system now coming ahead. Right? It's uh, it's fitting that I'm going in there. Uh, it's it's a little sad that they take a healthcare guy to go into education, um, but I'm I'm uh, uh, very much looking uh, forward to learning uh, what the uh, possible approaches are in that system. Yeah, it seems like a great opportunity ahead, and hey, you, you you'll bring some fresh eyes <laughs> to the situation, which is uh, which is always helpful. I'm sure that's one of the ways having patients involved in uh, lean improvement work in in the hospitals is helpful, right? Uh, they say the greatest uh, uh, leadership, uh, um, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, the, the, the part of leadership that becomes so important is humility. Yeah. Uh, so I'll remain humble there. There's no doubt. I have no choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe a final question for you as we wrap up here. So, I mean, you, your, your background was in um, hospitals and healthcare management, and, and there's, uh, it sounds like a really important role you're playing um, working with the healthcare organizations. But being part of the government, I'm sure part of your role and, and those you work with is, involves communicating with and, and, and talking with uh, your constituents and, and the public. Um, as much as you can generalize, I mean, what, what's been the public response or some of the communication um, to the public about lean and how, how are people reacting to that? Well, in general, I think I, think I would say that uh, the public and the political have been embracing um, of uh, uh, the improvements that have been made. You will always find the detractors and those that... Uh, um, Kind of, kind of react to that word lean. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfortunate because the title itself is not a great yeah. reflection of what this is. Lean feels all about efficiency. So what I've been saying uh, to public uh, audiences and to uh, government audiences is that I hate that word, but I love the cultural mm -hmm. change and the approach that we're taking. So if I, if I had the chance... Uh, uh, you know, if I uh, had been Womack, Jones, and Florzone, I would have said, let's call it hope or respect for people or uh, patient first. You know, the, the notion here is that uh, um, this is so much more than just simply a cost uh, efficiency through waste reduction. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that word lean was used as uh, an adjective and, and it was meant to be a positive descriptor, but you're right that that word uh, does get in the way with you know, some of the everyday connotations. I have said only maybe half jokingly in the past. If they had called it happy manufacturing, yeah. uh, we could yeah. be talking about happy healthcare because, like you said earlier, I mean this this is hard work, and there yeah. um, there's nothing easy yeah. about doing this, but it does lead to happier, more engaged employees, which helps lead to to happier mm -hmm. patients who are receiving better quality care. Um, like you said, that's all very positive. Yeah. We, when, we were on our, when we were on our journey to look right across uh, the globe at uh, uh, improvement, I had this privilege of being the chair of the Health Quality Council in Saskatchewan, one of the first health quality councils formed in the country. It was the first, in fact. 
um, we we looked and we scoured across Canada for high performance, and literally we couldn't find it. We looked stateside and saw these beautiful pockets of excellence in terms of the system. We went to NHS. We looked across Europe. Um, I, I gotta I gotta tell you that uh, um, that journey allowed us to say when we saw this that it had all the key components to be able to uh, to move forward. Um, well, well, Dan, thank you so much for um, taking time to share what's been happening uh, with healthcare in Saskatchewan. And um, I'm going to post links if, if people go to uh, leanpodcast.org and find the link to this episode. Um, I'm going to post some links to some of the great material that um, the province has put online and some other material I think people would be interested in. And I certainly wish you the best of luck in uh, your new roles in education and bringing lean more broadly to a government. Are, are there any final, any, any final thoughts or reflections that, um, that you would want to share with us, Dan? I know that uh, tomorrow, or in fact the day after, uh, when I'm in a new ministry, uh, the one thing that I will reflect on in terms of the team of 45,000 people that are involved in lean within the health sector in Saskatchewan, uh, that there is great hope that tomorrow will be better than today uh, because of the fact that they now have the culture, the time, the tools, and the support uh, to be able to make improvements day in and day out. That's great. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again. And, and hopefully we will uh, be able to follow up and talk about uh, the new work that you're, uh, you're, you're doing. We could, it would be great to do another podcast together, Dan. We probably should do a podcast on all the mistakes I've made, too. That, that's an even more interesting one. <laughs> I can't promise I haven't, I, you know, I've made them all. There's still a few mistakes to make. <laughs> yeah, we can, We all keep finding new ones to make, but uh, that's, uh, it's great to uh, be, be honest in, in, in that reflection and sharing, so it's much appreciated. Maybe we can do that in the future. But thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, great hearing your voice again, and uh, we're going to have to get together sometime soon. Yeah. Likewise, I hope so. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.